So tonight, we, we are, this month, we are doing a series, three weeks. Uh, it's around going deeper in the Word. Last year, that was our theme for the whole year. And what we did when we went deeper in the Word is we spent one month focusing on one book of the Bible. So last year, we did the book of Philippians, The Secret of Joy. And uh, I just, I love doing it so much. We made a determination every year we're going to look at, in one month, at one book of the Bible to keep our hunger for the Word alive, to take us deeper into the Word so that we can, we can understand. Because every book of the Bible is different. Different authors, different emphasis, different focus. It might be poetry. It might be worship. It might be historical stuff. It might be prophecies. It might be letters to churches. So to really read the Bible, it's not like just one book. It all flows together. It's all in perfect unity. It's the inspired Word of God. But you've got to kind of understand, well, what's, what's the emphasis of this book? What, who's it written by? Why was it written? What's its purpose? How do, I, how do I read it? So we are doing the book of Proverbs. We're going to the Old Testament. Uh, so last one was New Testament. This is Old Testament. Old Testament is before Jesus. New Testament is Jesus and afterwards. That's how the Bible kind of breaks up. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And so the book of Proverbs, we're going to kind of look a little bit into. Uh, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I highly recommend recommend. It's a great thing. You can read one a day every month. Just a really good. My my friend, Mr. Wisdom over here, Russell Smith, has been doing that since, what, 1980? 1986. One proverb a day since 1986. How good is that? That's amazing. That's why Russell oozes wisdom. All right. Now, last month we talked about faith. Remember we talked about uh, the gift of faith and the muscle of faith. All right. I believe wisdom is the same. Some people have a divine gift of wisdom, but other people de develop wisdom. They develop the muscle of wisdom through reading the Word of God and letting the wisdom of God get into them. So, so some people are like, oh, they're so wise, but they've, they've actually got wisdom from listening to others, but from downloading it from the Bible. So what I want to do, we did this this morning. I'm just going to do this tonight. The Bible Project is an awesome um, initiative that's on YouTube and global. How many Bible Project fans have we got? We've got a few. I reckon we'll have a whole stack more after tonight. And what the Bible Project does is every book of the Bible, it does a six to eight minute summary of the, the, the how that book works. Some mega books have got more like 20 minutes, but uh, so I want you to watch right now about the book of Proverbs as we go into wisdom for life. So let's check this out. It's about eight minutes. The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom. And this book has a lot of those, but they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters one through nine, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. 
The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now, wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now, fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now, this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. The father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now, these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people, which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice, you're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now, these Proverbs 
Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually, this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices. Things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish. Your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life, and raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well, but there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king, and he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem is about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom. And so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. There you go. There you go. All right. Now who loves the Bible Project? Come on. That's awesome, isn't it? That just gives a great, uh, that makes me jealous because I'm a terrible drawer, but that gives us a great overview of the book of Proverbs. So in this series, what we're going to do, we won't show that every time. That's just today to introduce it. But we're going to look at uh, a number of verses around out of the book of Proverbs and wisdom for life. Well, tonight, I'm actually going to give you a, a stack of verses. I, I just, I love Bible studies and I, I get, get on my Bible app 
and I'll, I'll search different words. And you can, you could, for example, you could go with, oh, Proverbs talks a lot about the heart. I'm going to write down every book or copy every one about the heart and do a Bible study about the heart. And then you get a tapestry or all of the principles about the heart. You could do it about friendships, about relationships. You could do it about health. I'm going to give you 10 points about from, from the book of Proverbs tonight. And I've called them uh, wealth principles from the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is so practical. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to hear this tonight. So we're going to look at a stack of scriptures and we're going to put it together in terms of what does the Bible say about wealth? All right, what does the Bible say about wealth? Are you ready to go? Just 10 points, you'll get the scriptures. All right, number one, if you pursue wisdom, she brings wealth. If you pursue wisdom, wisdom. So here's, this is what the Bible says. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. You have to go with me pretty quick with the Scriptures. Proverbs 3, 15 and 16. Nothing you desire can compare with her. So in all you're getting, get wisdom. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honour in her left. If you pursue wisdom rather than wealth, then wisdom comes with honour with honor in one hand and wealth in the other. The, the consequence of learning wisdom is is wealth will come your way. All right. Proverbs 8, 17 to 21. This is, this is wisdom. Who, who, who's, who's happy that wisdom is personified as a woman? Come on, girls. There we go. That was your big, that was your big moment. The, the wisdom. Come on, wisdom from my mom. Come on, somebody. Proverbs 8, 17 to 21. Wisdom says, I love all who love me. This is wisdom. Those who search will find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts, wisdom, are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages are better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness, in paths of justice. Those who love me, wisdom, inherit wealth, and I will fill their treasuries. Yeah. Book of Wisdom. Proverbs 14, 24, last one. Wealth is a crown for who? The wise. Those who are wise, wealth is the effort of fools yields only foolishness. That's the first thing that I want us to know from the book of Proverbs about wealth is that if you pursue wisdom, she brings wealth. All right. Number two, I want us to know this. Wealth is a blessing from God. Now, I could spend all night on this and mess with mindsets, but I'm just going to, this is just from Proverbs. Proverbs 10 verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Uh, Deuteronomy tells us that there's an anointing to create wealth. So if wealth was bad, God wouldn't give us an anointing to create it. So the Bible tells us now, now, this is why we've got to get 10 points. So don't check out on me right now. There's 10 whole points about wealth. But here's what I, this is what it talks about. It's a blessing from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, wealth is a blessing from God. Proverbs 10 verse 16 says, The earnings of the godly enhance their lives. The earnings of the God, they make your life better. Uh, but evil people squander their money on sin. All right, number two, wealth is a blessing from God. Number three, very important, right living is more important than being wealthy. Come on. Now I'm getting some more amens from the church today tonight. But I'm just, I'm helping you with the, the, the balanced perspective from the book of Proverbs. Right living is more important than being wealthy. Proverbs 11 verse 4. Riches won't help you on the day of judgment. When you stand before God and have to give an account for your life, He won't go, hmm, let's check your bank account. How much money did you earn? 
It won't look at all the possessions that you, you accumulated. It won't, get you, it won't make you right. But right living can save you from death and eternal death. Living right with God. Proverbs 16 verse 8 says this, Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. So God's interested in your character more than your bank account. He's interested in who you are as a person more than what you've accumulated from a wealth point of view. But don't, don't, don't presume that poverty equals pleasing God or wealth equals pleasing God. This is the point, right? Living is more important than, than being wealthy. This is just from a Bible study in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 16 verse uh, 8, no, Proverbs 28 verse 6, better to be poor and honest than be dishonest and rich. You're better to be. You're better to be honest in all you do, and you'll get tested on this in different moments of your life, but you're better to be honest, but be a person of character. Character like Christ. All right, number, that's number three. Right living is more important than being wealthy. I, I want to frame your mind up with wisdom for wealth. I, I believe God wants His people to get wealth on their side, to use it for advancing His kingdom. All right, number four. I'm not going to get off topic. Honor God first with your money and He blesses the rest. This is the way that God makes sure that He's got your heart before he actually will add blessing to you. So uh, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. He's talking to farmers, all right? So if you produce crops, you need to honor God with it. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. All right, this is the promise of God. When increase comes into your life, God says, I want you to return the first, and this is the tithe, return the first tenth to me and that's, that's a reminder that it's all mine and all the blessings coming from me and then I will bless the rest of it. Now, I, here's what I reckon. All right, I reckon if in a Eastern culture or in a culture where family is everything and to become a Christian is the denial of family, and you can get killed for getting water baptized in a lot of countries around the world. So I've got friends who are pastors and they oversee pastors everywhere from Baghdad, Cairo, Iran, Uzbekistan, all sorts of different places. And they will tell me it's not uncommon in some areas when someone converts from being a Muslim to a Christian for them to just disappear after their baptism. It's not uncommon. They said because so to get water baptized is a line in the sand moment that where families will reject people. They can lose their job, their properties, like it was in the New Testament. That, that's what would happen to get water baptized. And so in that in that culture, water baptism is such a massive step of I'm going to follow Jesus. He's going to come first. Now in our culture, we can have a water baptism, and someone can come in and go, I want to get baptized today, and jump in the tank, and we're, we're we want to make sure they know what it means and it's a very significant moment but more than likely it's not going to cost you your family or your life so I've, for me in our culture where where money is God where money is the Lord where there's a battle between God and the spirit of mammon the Bible says so resources and wealth uh, so as soon as you in our culture I, water baptism don't don't get me wrong it's a powerful moment but one of the moments I know someone's really going to follow Jesus is when they start to tithe because what a baptism moment, as powerful it is, can be a moment. But when I say, God, all of my money is yours, and every time it comes in, I'm going to give the first 10% to you because you've got my heart, then you're messing with the God of this age. 
That's why the media hate us talking about giving because we're messing with their God. If you go to the New Testament, and there's, a, there's a, a demon who's predicting people's future and Paul casts the demon out of this girl and Diana's like, it's in Ephesus and Diana's the temple goddess and they basically say, let's, let's take these guys and get rid of them because not because they're messing with Diana but because they're messing with our money. And the whole thing broke out because we were messing with their God. And so to talk about honoring God as a way to get God's blessing on your life, it's a test of the heart first of anything. And so I want to encourage you tonight if you're like, okay, I have got water baptized. I am following Jesus. What's my next step? Your next step is to make sure you're honoring God with your tithe. As increase comes into your life, you put him first. All right, that's number four. Honor God first with your money and he blesses the rest. How we, are they coming up as I go? They are. Excellent. Good. Number five, generous people receive financial blessing. Generous people receive financial blessing. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Generosity is the way God will bring a financial blessing into your world. Number six, Trust in God, not your wealth. You want to know how God wants to bless you and your finances? You trust in Him, not your wealth. Proverbs 18, 10 to 12. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to Him and are safe. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it's a high wall of safety. Oh, so if I'm not a Christian and I'm rich, what I'm tempted to think is, well, Nothing can touch me because I've got wealth. That's my protection. But God, the Bible says the name of the Lord. It's God who's the one who's going to look after me. Uh, haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Proverbs 11 verse 28. Trust in your money and down you go. So what Proverbs tells you about wealth. If you put your trust in it, so you've got to get this. On one hand, it's the blessing of God. But if your heart shifts from focusing on God to trusting in our wealth, then down we go. Yeah. Trust in your wealth, down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in a spring. Here's how, here's how we can know if I'm trusting in God or money. If I'm trusting in God and He tells me to give something, even though I'm like, oh, that's my rainy day. That, like, you know, wisdom, all good. But God's actually... I need you to give that right now. And you give that, you're like, oh, that, was my, that was my plan. And God goes, look, I'm way better than that. I, I, can, I can get on your possessions. I can multiply you. I want to add wealth to your life. Trust in me. All right, trust in God, not your wealth. Number seven, diligence is a foundation for wealth. This is my motto at the school I went to. The, the hand of the diligent shall rule. Uh, Proverbs 14, 23, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. If you, wanna, if you actually want to get ahead financially, you got to work and you got to work hard. And then God takes what you do, your natural efforts, and if you're putting Him first and trusting Him and following the rest of the principles, God will get on top of that and bring blessing into your life. Diligence is a foundation for wealth. Number, I've got three to go. We're doing all right. Just so practical, the book of Proverbs. Number eight, don't chase quick riches. Proverbs 13, verse 11, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. 
wealth from hard work grows over time. And I say it again, because this is, if you could get this in your mind right now. Because so often we're like, I gave and I'm believing for a miracle. And someone says, put your money in this and you're going to get double your money back in three weeks time. Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. That's Bible principle. Greedy people, Proverbs 28, 22. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but they don't realize they're headed for poverty. So if I'm chasing riches, it'll run away from me. But if I'm chasing God, He'll bless me with wealth as part of the blessing if I'm putting other things in place. Uh, Proverbs 28 verse 20, the trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Turn to your neighbor and say, avoid quick rich, get rich quick schemes. Come on, spit that out right now. Number nine. I literally could have done 15 of these for us tonight, but I'm just helping the poor gets God's attention. Helping the poor gets God's attention. Proverbs 14, verse 21. It's a sin to belittle one's neighbor, but blessed are those who help the poor. Proverbs 19, verse 17. If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. It gets God's attention. I love in Melbourne, we launched Compassion today for our first Sunday in Melbourne. I think we got 25 kids sponsored in Melbourne. Our church sponsors over, over a couple of hundred kids in Thailand, in Brazil, and in Africa. And it's awesome. And a part of it is, the heartbeat of it is, help the poor. Handing out backpacks to homeless people in our community, which we did in the last, in the last month or so. That's helping the poor. And I love that. It gets God's attention. Number 10, delayed gratitude is a key to building wealth. Yeah, I knew that would get quiet. Delayed gratitude is a key to building wealth. What do you mean? Okay, Proverbs 21 verse 17. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. Delayed gratitude says... First of all, if you're in credit card debt, you want to get out of it. That's a whole other proverb. But delayed this, the principle of delayed gratitude is my big goal is maybe to own a house. My big goal is to be debt free. My big, my big goal is to not have to pay lots of stuff off. My big goal is, is to be able to have an investment that generates income as well as the wages that I earn so I can get multiple streams of income. So if that's my big goal tonight, I can go out and spend $25 on dinner or I can go home and have spaghetti on toast and that saving of $25 or whatever, that saving of $20 through delayed gratitude, if I'm wise with that and I put it aside so that I'm spending less that's coming in and then I can build wealth over a period of time, that's the principle of delayed gratitude. So if I just, if I want to live a certain lifestyle that maybe I see people who are down the track further than me, so people can look at Russell and Rita Smith and go, oh, I love the blessing of God in their lives. Well, let me take you back to Vegemite sandwich season, where for 10 years they're giving and sowing and working hard and putting God's house first, which they've always done, but they're delaying the blessing by going without now to put money aside for God, priority for the poor. 
and also saving and investing and building wealth. Those who love pleasure become poor. That's a proverb. Now, before you go all, oh, whatever, Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury. Like, well, what is it? Love wine and luxury or not? No, the wise get to enjoy luxury, but fools, harsh, there's a bit of harshness in Proverbs, spend whatever they get. That's the Bible principle that the Bible talks about creating wealth. So God's like, you're like, God, bless me. God, bless me. I want, I want, I want to have wealth in my life because the proverb says that that's, that's blessing. And he goes, I am blessing you, but you're eating it all. <laughs> like, oh, flip. I am blessing you, but you're buying the best shoes that every month that everybody else wants to look cool because you're spending it on luxury, not necessity. I know it got real practical in here, didn't it, right? Okay, this, this, is, this is Proverbs. Don't blame me, it's Solomon and all these guys, all right? <laughs> this is how Proverbs talks about wealth. Let me just go through those 10 right again for you right now. Pursue wisdom as your number one priority. Obviously, in wisdom, when the Proverbs talks about wisdom, you can often metaphor it for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom. Pursue the Holy Spirit. He comes with, he, he brings wisdom through the word. Pursue wisdom, she brings wealth. Wealth's a blessing from God. Right living is more important than being wealthy. Honor God first with your money and he blesses the rest. Generous people receive financial blessing. Make sure your trust is in God, not in your wealth. Diligence, hard work, diligence is a foundation for wealth. Don't chase quick riches. They'll just run away from you. Helping the poor gets God's attention. And number 10, delayed gratitude is a key to building wealth. Can we close our eyes together right now? Father, we thank you that your book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom for every area of our life. That's just money tonight, God. But there's so many other areas that's full of wisdom. So I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be right about finances, that our heart would be right about, about wealth, that we would keep it in its place to serve us and rather than us serve it we'd serve you Lord I pray during this season as we unpack the wisdom principles for life out of Proverbs that you would ignite our hunger for the word, you would ignite our hunger for wisdom you would help us keep growing in this in Jesus mighty name and everybody said Amen, Amen. God bless you, back to you Joel. thank you so much <laughs>